Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this live on Wednesday night, October 26th. And the Grizzlies had just announced that Zaire Williams will be missing four to six weeks due to a knee soreness stem from patellar tendonitis. Uh, Excuse me if I mess that up. Medical terms, not my forte. Uh, We'll get more into kind of the ripple effects with some of the players I'll be talking about on this very show. But first, let me tell you how you can keep in touch with the blog and the podcast network. So, Grizzly Bear Blues is the Memphis Grizzlies SB Nation blog. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And GBB Live is the flagship podcast of the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network alongside the Next Gen Podcast, the Starting 5 Podcast, the Core 4 Podcast, and Grizzly Bear Bets. So wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts, the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network is there. So once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming. No guest this week. Life's just kind of crazy right now. So just getting a guest just kind of... Uh, just slipped my mind, and I didn't really have a lot of time to pivot and such. So, little quick solo pod for y'all. And a trend that's really stuck out to me thus far is the Grizzlies' outside shooting, both from a team and individual standpoint. I will get to some of the individuals in a moment who are impressing me from downtown. Some trends I'm going to keep monitoring, and then some that, oof, kind of bad. But you know, let's talk about the good first, and I want to talk about the good so far with this team. After trending around below league average over the past two seasons, right now the Memphis Grizzlies are fourth in three-point attempts per game at 39.8%, while also falling ninth in percentage at 38.4%. Obviously, it's been a more concerted effort to get up more threes. That was a message for guys like John Conchar, and obviously, they target guys that were 40% three-point shooters in the NBA draft with Jake LaRavia and David Roddy. 
they let a shooting adverse Kyle Anderson walk in free agency to open up that spot for someone that provides a little bit more outside shooting. And so far, the benefits have been quite quite nice. Uh, so I mentioned those stats. Also, from a tweet from Tom Passine of Swish Analytics. So he ran a tweet yesterday breaking down the attempt rates for all three teams at the rim, at the mid-range, and three-pointers, and the percentage change in each of those shots from last season. The Grizzlies have the second highest change in three-point attempt rate from last season, as now 42% of their shots have come from three so far this season. And obviously the dividends have paid off in the early going. Obviously it's been four games, but really, really strong early showing so far. And it's really crazy to think that because, you know, small sample size stuff gets skewed. So, you know, I'm talking about how they're fourth in three-point attempts per game and ninth in three-point percentage per game. That's also including the the absolute doozy they had in Dallas where they shot 9 of 33 from three. And even more impressively, through their improvement, shooting the three ball, right now per cleaning the glass, they are seventh and half-court offense scoring 99.1 points per 100 plays in half-court situations. Comparatively speaking, they were 20th last year in half-court offense. Obviously, that was an item that both Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins wanted to address and improve upon. And so far, so good. That's definitely going to be something I will be monitoring, for one, because you know I've written on it because it is a sore spot. I know a lot of a lot of people always wonder when it comes to analyzing contenders, like, okay, what's going to happen when everything slows down in the playoffs and you got to go get a bucket in the half court? Can your team do that? And that was one sore spot for the Memphis Grizzlies, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens as the sample size gets larger, how they build upon it. So if if the three-point shot keeps going the way it is, then it seems like it's going to be fine. But I want to break it down into an individual standpoint real quick. Uh, talking about the different stuff to monitor. It would be very remiss of me to not discuss Jaw freaking Morant. Probably a person that's emerged as an MVP frontrunner in week one. He is leading the NBA in scoring as of this recording, averaging 35.3 points per game. More impressively, Jaw Morant is shooting 60. That's right, 60. Not 16, 6, 0. 60% from 3, 12 of 20. Obviously, he's not going to shoot 60% from 3 on roughly 5 attempts per game the entire year. I mean, if he did, that's the greatest 3-point shooting season anyone's ever had in NBA history. That's not going to hold. However, this early showing from John Morant, how... He's really kind of found his groove from three-point range. It's really just going to set the tone and just even expand the horizons of his already blistering, magnificent uh, highlight reel attack. So the 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 trends with John Morant over the past two, or maybe even his entire career, dating back to his rookie season, is just go under the screens, make him shoot, just make him shoot the three ball. Um, before this season, he had shot 
33.5% from three in his rookie year, 30.3% in his sophomore year, and in last season, 34.4% from three. So obviously, yes, he's not going to shoot 60% from three. But what's going to happen if he's shooting 37, 38% from three on five attempts per game? It's just going to make that attack so much more dynamic. I mean, as we saw in the game against the Brooklyn Nets, Ben Simmons was going under a lot of screens on John Morant, and he made them pay for it. He shot four of six from three in that win against Brooklyn, and probably the, oh shit, John Morant has that three in his bag moment was when he just hit, he sized up Kyrie at the top of the key pretty far out. Like, that wasn't like a, you know, the corner three that was shortest three in the game or a wide open three. No, this is close to a 30-footer and defender. You know, Kyrie Irving wasn't like all up in his grill, but a considerable amount to where, you know, he could have gone for the drive. He could have gone for the three. It didn't really, it wasn't really going to matter either way. But you know what? Uh, call 12 now does long distance calls. Is eligible for FaceTime as well. And that's what he did to Kyrie Irving in the closing moments of that thrilling Monday night victory over the Brooklyn Nets. And it's just going to really open this pick your poison kind of deal. Teams are going to go under screens on John Morant. He's shown he's grown more and more comfortable each year letting it fly from three it's it's evident not just in the makes but in just in the fact that he's shooting threes more frequently I think now he is shooting I granted four games in he's averaging a career high in three-point attempts per game at five attempts per game and he's also having 24 percent of his shots come from beyond the arc which that's totally fine because John Morant's bread and butter is at the rim so it's it's just going to broaden his tech where it's like okay go under the screen I'm going to shoot this three but respect my jumper and I'm going to go right past you and I'm going to go get to the rim where he's just continued to successes I think he's still averaging the same amount of points in the paint as he did last year around like 16 per game which is like six tied for six in the league right now so like when he has just the combination of getting into the paint and having the three-point shot, it's just going to just diversify that attack even more for John Morant in the Memphis Grizzlies, especially on that the drives and pick and roll. Um, you know, teams are start paying mind to him from three, so it's going to open up even more windows for ball movement to get even better shots. It's just going to be one of those things that's going to make John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies more potent. Both both parties are already elite offensively. John Morant, he's he was averaging 27 points per game last season, league leader in points in the paint. The Memphis Grizzlies, top five in offensive rating last year. So just having more of those combinations to unlock and also maintaining or raising that efficiency, it's just going to do wonders for John Morant's ceiling because, I mean, he doesn't even have to be like Steph Curry from three or anything. But if, you know, like, like I said, if he's knocking down 37, 38% of his threes on about five attempts per game. <laughs> Good luck. But just going to focus on some more that I'm monitoring. Um, just scaling down, obviously, Desmond Bain, John Morant's co-star in that win the other night against the Brooklyn Nets as they both combined for 76 points. Each had 38 points. Desmond Bain knocked down eight of his 11 three-point attempts 
in that Brooklyn Nets win, just erasing all doubt of a Desmond Bain slump or regression. And you can read uh, my breakdown on how the Grizzlies got Bain out of that slump through just throwing him in screen actions and just really just running actions for him designed to get clean looks from three, taking advantage of the weak screen communication between the Nets wings and the Nets bigs. And I I cannot express, I expressed this to uh, Nets writer Matt Brooks, why is Nick Claxton dropping and not switching onto Desmond Bain when he has a three-point shot? I do not understand it, but... The Memphis Grizzlies took advantage of that. Desmond Bain just caught absolute fire. And now all his three-point percentages are completely normalized to what we expect from Desmond Bain, uh, just based off what we saw last season. But the one thing that sticks out to me is his three-point intents per game. He's averaging 9.8 threes per game, which is fourth in the league right now. I asked him about this in the exit interviews last season after their... Um, exit uh, against the Golden State Warriors because you know he shot about nine threes per game against the Minnesota Timberwolves and obviously that was some of the best basketball we had seen Desmond Bain play as a Memphis Grizzly and he did it in a moment where the Grizzlies really needed him because it, the Timberwolves were keying in on John Morant Jaron Jackson Jr. was in foul trouble they really needed somebody to step up and lead the charge offensively and it was Bain and you know I asked him about if that series is kind of a sign of things to come when it comes to his three-point attempt rate. And he said he wants to find a way to get 9, 10, 11 threes per game, efficient threes, whether it's you know spot up, off the dribble, transition. He wanted to find a way to let it fly from three. And as of right now, all but one of his games this season, he's shot double-digit attempts from three. He only had five three-point attempts against Dallas, but... Uh, 3 of 13 against New York, 3 of 10 against Houston, 8 of 11 against the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, uh, his finishing package and his playmaking have been real focal points of Bain's development. That's something that he's brought up, his teammates have brought up, uh, Taylor Jenkins have brought up. But really, the three-point attempts per game is going to be very, very interesting to monitor because he is one of the five best shooters in the world, probably, I would say. Uh, Steph and Clay definitely have solidified themselves in that role. And just whoever you want to throw in there, that's fine. But once you get to five guys, Desmond Bain's got to be in that. And so, you know, last season, he's outside the top 30 in attempts per game. And you just start to wonder, like, okay, what happens if Desmond Bain becomes one of those guys like Steph, like Clay, like Paul George, like Buddy Heald, like Fred Van Fleet, where he's hoisting nine, ten threes a game. That's going to, with the percentages and stuff, and the fact that he went from four attempts per game in his rookie season to seven attempts per game his sophomore season while maintaining his efficiency of 43% from three, it's incredibly intriguing. Be like, okay, what happens if he does more? Because even, let's say if he held at 41% on about eight and a half, nine threes a game, that's an extra three per game he's making, and that is putting him in the territory where he's averaging 20 points per game. So that's going to be very interesting to monitor going forward. He's solidified himself as the second option offensively, and um, I think this is just another 
way for Bain to just solidify himself as one of the league's best shooting guards. But uh, just a couple more people I want to get get to with three point attempts, three point percentage, all that, and just what it means going forward. Um, I'm going to throw uh, John Conchar in there. He's letting it fly from three more, more often, five point three attempts per game, shooting forty seven point six percent from three. Obviously, you want to. I don't know how much that forty seven percent is going to hold, but I mean, how if he stays between thirty six and forty, more than likely around that like forty range, while letting it fly about five times per game. I think that's what DeAnthony Melton did last year too. So keep in mind that um, that's going to be a big boost for this Grizzlies offense, especially with Zaire Williams out. Um, they they were really gonna. They're really trying to entrust uh, Zaire Williams with more scoring responsibilities off the bench, more creation opportunities off the bench. And his outside shooting, you know, it really became an asset late last season as Zaire Williams shot roughly 39% from three from the moment of that breakout game in the Garden until the end of the regular season. You know, now they don't have Zaire Williams for another four to six weeks. So they need guys to step up. And, you know, John Conchar is going to be the first one that comes to mind. Because, you know, he's he proved last season that he could be a three-point weapon. But you're like, okay, you're only doing that on less than two attempts per game. Let's see what happens when you let it fly more. And I think it's just a really pivotal time for John Conchar to just keep up the aggression from downtown and really just kind of solidify himself as one of the teams and perhaps maybe one of the league's premier uh, marksman from downtown off the bench so that's gonna be interesting to watch and before I get into uh, a group of players that it's gonna be absolutely pivotal with their outside shooting I want to talk about Dylan Brooks obviously he went 0 for 5 in the game against the Brooklyn Nets from three he was 2 of 13 from the field obviously Dylan Brooks is gonna make a three it make threes plural we're gonna we're booking it now if you don't believe in that then I don't know what to tell you. But anyways, seriously though, Dylan Brooks, with him, it's just going to boil down to his outside game and especially the efficiency of the half-court offense. It's going to boil down to his shot selection because he's a guy that shows that he can get controlled and composed shots within half-court situations, whether that's in the mid-range, spotting up for three, getting to the rim. When he's controlled, he can do that. And he can do that quite well. And that's what makes him an asset for this team. And, you know, as the hierarchy has kind of... We've talked about it on, on articles. we talked about it on podcasts. But as this hierarchy is kind of shifting now, I mean, he's not this second guy anymore. He's roughly the... He's the third guy right now with John Bain. And then when J- Jaron gets back, it's a 3A, 3B kind of thing. So um, I'm very interested to see how his three-point shot... Uh, trends, especially with his shot selection, given the layout of this team right now. But uh, because, especially too, last season, he did not shoot the ball well from three, shooting 30, a little, little less than 31% from three, 30.9% on only 4.7 attempts per game compared to 16.4 field goals per game. So he's shooting about 12 12 twos a game, which, you know, you want to see him diversify that a little bit. And I, I think that's going to be the biggest key with Dylan Brooks is how is he going to add more value as a complimentary shooter while not totally erasing that mid-range, get-to-the-basket element of his game. 
that's going to be very interesting to monitor, especially given all the dynamics, his impending free agency. But we won't get into that too much. Let's close the show talking about two players whose impact, especially from beyond the arc, will be pivotal without Zaire Williams. And that is Jake Laravia and David Roddy. Two two players that have kind of trended in opposite directions from downtown. So Jake Laravia on 2.8 attempts per game has shot 54.5% from three. And David Roddy has only shot 13.3% from three on around three attempts per game. So they're trending in the opposite directions. And so I got to say, guys, by the way, Everyone was worried about Summer League because they thought Jake wasn't shooting. But Jake LaRavia is letting it fly, and he's making it. And those rainbow threes are going to be favorites amongst Grizzly Faithful, and perhaps even the coaching staff. So, And with David Roddy, you know, he's gotten really good looks. I've, I've been a fan of the looks he's getting. They're just not falling. And over these next couple weeks, it's going to be very interesting, especially before Jaron Jackson Jr. gets back where both of those guys right now are going to be playing. They're going to be in the rotation. They're going to get those minutes. Who is going to take advantage of those minutes to stay in the rotation even longer when Jaron Jackson Jr. gets back? Is it going to be Jake LaRavia or David Roddy? Obviously, I think you know making plays, whether it's making the right reads, creating defensive events, that kind of stuff is going to be very pivotal to staying in the rotation. But outside shooting is going to be the main key here. And obviously right now, uh, Jake Laravia kind of has an edge on that, but David Roddy has been the uh, first one between those two that have been off the bench. So just over these next few weeks, their outside shooting is going to be pivotal, not just for the Memphis Grizzlies' offensive successes right now without Jaron Jackson Jr. and Zaire Williams, but also it's going to be important for them individually when it comes to who's going to stay in the rotation while Zaire Williams is out and when Jaron Jackson Jr. gets back and whenever they are fully healthy, which of those two guys are going to be the first man up whenever there's another injury, somebody out. So that's just something I'm going to be watching for. And I know a lot of people are going to be watching for that because everyone loves kind of running theoretical healthy rotations, what everything looks like. And, you know, Everything right now is an early sample size, but right now the Grizzlies' mission to find more three-point shooting and have more half-court offense success has been going pretty strong after the first week of the season through the first four games of the season. Obviously, with with sample sizes, we'll start to see stuff normalize a little bit. We won't see John Morant shoot 60% from three. We won't see Jake LaRavia shoot 55% from three. We won't see David Roddy shoot 13% from three. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how all that normalizes and just kind of the ripple effects from it. Like, you know, what does John Moran ultimately trend down to? And what kind of universe is that going to look like where John Morant is also just burning defenses with his three-point shot and his paint attack? With... John Conchar and Jake LaRavia being the three-point marksman off the bench. With Desmond Bain letting it fly with some of the best shooters in the world at the same rate that they are. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to monitor and it's gonna be a pivotal part of the Grizzlies' success, both in this injury riddled state and also uh, going forward in the regular season. So 
I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. You can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Follow the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And make sure you're subscribing to the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network where you can find every single episode of GBB Live, the Next Gen Podcast, Starting 5 Podcast, Core 4 Podcast, and Grizzly Bear Bets. And make sure you subscribe, like, download, write a five-star review for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. And with that, we will see you next week.